0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, and we are in the little blue shed in the depths of Bedfordshire in England, and we've got a mailbag show for you today. I hope you enjoyed our summer content. We had two of our new magazine-style shows, and I get the feeling from people that that's working, like we're getting positive feedback. It means we can have a variety of guests and we can record them at a time where each individual guest is is free. We don't have to bully people onto an 8 p.m. stream on a, on a Sunday. It does offer us a lot of creative freedom as well. And a lot of the crew are seeing that and wanting to get involved now and saying, right, can I do a segment? Can I do an interview? And I hope that we're going to get more content that isn't produced by me. Like the Tech Time crew did an amazing job without me while I was off. Uh, Steve... Summers and Matt Trumpets created Tech Time, and I said to you that I would be checking the downloads, and it does look like a bunch of you have been eating your vegetables. So that's great. It was a great episode for downloads. We had really good feedback, Uh, so uh, I hope you enjoyed that, and we'll do more of those. And I would like this stream to become more than just a vehicle for me to jump online and be a turnip. We do want to build squad depth. We have a lot of presenters interviewers and content producers in the map stable so i want to start actually before we get into the mailbag with a thank you so do feel free to skip forward a couple of minutes i have a specific reason for this but i do want to thank as i often do our patreon supporters who donate a small amount of money every month in re- in re- in return they get a- some nominal things an ad free feed a chance to join our-, our Patreon slack group and a little bit of extra content but mostly they are supporting an independent content creator. I would also like to thank anyone who's donated to our tip jar or ever shared a link because you guys have empowered me over the past, oh, I would say, five, six months since since F1 has really taken a spike up. I would say that this year alone, I have had five genuine meetings with outfits that have wanted to work with Missed Apex Podcast or bring mist Apex Podcast into their fold. And all of those from... Big TV networks that you'll definitely have heard of all the way down to you know podcast networks that do well, a little bit more low-key. They all offer genuine opportunities for revenue and growth. But all of them, to one extent or the other, wanted some control, some sort of control. And that's understandable because it's their empire and they're trying to bring you into it. And control is huge for an independent content creator like me. The risk of giving up control is the risk of losing mist apex or losing what mist apex is and it would be like losing one of my lesser favored children or, or or a pet or something and ultimately i stood strong on those elements of control and i was able to do that because patreon support has always been the core of what mist apex is and makes us able to pay for itself pay for its time for its equipment Uh, To build for the future and to go out and like book events. Look, we've got some money. Can we book this place, this cart track, please? So, Patreon gave me the strength to stand firm when I was asked to budge on control issues. And it turns out that that put every negotiation to bed, ultimately. That ended all of those very lovely chats. And was that the right decision? I don't know. Maybe in the end, we get swamped by all the big boys, and I should have jumped on a turtle's back at some point. But because of the support we have and because of the amount of patrons we have and the amount of listeners we have, I, I do feel like it's okay for me to live or die on this hill. And I, I'm not against that sort of deal. Like, I will, I will I could be tempted in the future. I, I'm sure my soul has a price. After all, I did once sell it for a shiny Queen's shilling. And money's great because money can be exchanged for rum. But whatever happens, any partnership for Miss Apex Podcast would have to be just that, a partnership. So to our supporters... Thank you for helping us keep our independence. We already have the best partner, which is you guys. And, and though these conversations were genuine and well-intentioned, I always had this nagging feeling that they were asking me to sell something that wasn't quite mine to sell. So, we are still an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind support of our partners. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're joined today by someone who gives me no support at all. Matt, two rumpets. Hey, Matt. Spa. All the seasons, none of the laps. Oh, I've heard there's a new policy for spa. If it rains even a tiny bit, they're just going to go home and give Max double points. I, I, that would not surprise me at all. (laughs) We're also joined by someone who... I would say, actively detracts from my own mental health and the project. Chris Stevens, Hey, Chris. Hey,
2: Spanners. You know, it's weird being back doing the live streams. We've had a few weeks off during the summer break. And do you know what? I'm I'm ready to be back. I'm ready to see some Formula One cars in action again. Triple
1: header, Chris. Triple header. Oh, God, is it really? Oh, no, yeah. I'm not that ready yet. <laughs> I'm not emotionally prepared for this much racing. And from the Netherlands, we've got Jules Sagers joining us. Hey, Jules. Good evening, Spanners.
3: I'm uh, glad to be
1: on because I was starting to feel a bit
3: lonely in here because almost half of us are still on summer holiday, somewhere in <laughs> southern Europe. And the other half probably off storming uh, the spa circuit mm. to invade as the Orange Army does. Are you not going to be joining the swathes of Orange? Nah, I'm, I'm stuck in, in the middle. I returned from summer holiday already and I'm not going to spa to join the Orange Army.
1: Uh, but in the netherlands you all get issued a flare in case you want to go to the i have to say Jules as a, a dutch man those flares are a nightmare i hate them it's pointless you can't see the cars <laughs> imagine being at a track and people having those flares in front of you
3: yeah so maybe uh that illustrates how some of the i well, i'm I always get, get abused when I say this, but how some of the uh, Orange Army uh, fans aren't really there to watch the race, but just... They're to there, there to kind of,
1: it's almost like a festival, but is, is other yeah. Dutch sports like that. I know football, maybe that has that reputation well, it, and we're it, the same here as well.
3: Yeah, but football stadiums, they don't allow uh, flares ah, and, okay. and smoke bombs. So they all go to the F1 fans.
1: It It does feel like that is something we need to to get rid of in f1 we you know because we get to control stuff any fans of flares chris adding to the carnival atmosphere no
2: i think they look great on tv and they do add to the atmosphere but there are many many negatives to them as well like the ones you've just listed out and i i can't believe at some point no driver has brought this up as a sort of visibility issue as well Yeah,
1: maybe it does disperse by the time it gets to the to the driver's map Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I suspect they're still more worried about the brake dust and so forth. But I, I am looking forward to the first uh, wildfire, flare-induced wildfire safety car <laughs> at some of the drier circuits.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Oh, what you mean, like, they're just going around for their formation lap, the, the flares come up, and then they go, well, we can't see, so drop a safety car. Or, or say, exactly. they might even just say, do another formation lap, I suppose, would be the easiest. We,
3: yes. we do have bushfires already over here because of uh, the drought, mm. and uh, so maybe who knows, in SPA will happen again. But I think the forecast said rain, right? Wow. yeah.
2: Don't worry, we we and most of Northern Europe have as well the
1: the bushfires at the moment, so you are not yeah. alone in that. Oh, apparently flares have been banned at spa, We've been told, so that was a complete waste of time. Oh, that really? conversation, oh, what a wasted segment. So instead, but the
3: TV cameras <laughs> they
1: love the flares. So instead, let's get on to the listener mailbag. I'm going to take a pull at the listener mailbag first. Actually, there's three people who all asked very similar questions. So Oliver starts with, um, hey, great show. That helps. I'll definitely, I'll pick your question. I'll be more likely. We adore praise. So more likely to pick questions with praise. Like many others, I got into F1 with Drive to Survive. My addiction is now out of control. It got so bad, I became a patron of a podcast made by some dude in a shed. Anyway, it seems like you guys are enriching your viewing experience with live data, Twitter and a few other data sources. Uh, On top of that, on top of the F1 stream, what additions to the F1 stream do you suggest to take the viewing to a new high? That's from Oliver. Thank you. Great email. Similar one from from Chris saying, what is your setup for the race weekend? What's on your second or maybe third screen? Glad you included that one, Chris. And uh, does it change based on how the race unfolds? And then we also had an email as well from Carl who said, my question is, what is the optimal setup for watching F1? Now, this is interesting because, you know, years and years ago, there was only the TV to turn on and you watch the stream. Over the years, that has evolved for me. the Hearing what other people are saying and thinking about Formula One has become almost as important to me <laughs> as the experience of of watching the race as well. And on the occasions, of, say, an early Grand Prix in Australia, where I've like woken up and gone, oh, I'll just watch it on my phone for a bit. It's been no good because the phone is is where I tweet and talk to the Slack group and speak to the guys on the WhatsApp group. So I found that I need to have a definitely a dedicated screen for uh, for the for the Grand Prix. To free up the phone, so that's been like one example where second screening and third screening has become vitally important to me. But for example, if I am running late, so I used to work on Sunday mornings. If I'm I'm running late and I'm only gonna just get there in time, I have to call ahead and get my boy Treeface to say do the setup, get our, our setup. I'm gonna be home. I'll be home just in time. Don't worry about it. And he will. He'll get a laptop up on a little table between the two of us that has the live timing on one side and has our Patreon Slack group on the other side. And then I'll have another tab for Twitter, and I'll have another tab for WhatsApp. And then I will do my show notes for the race review on my phone. So I am at least one, two, I'm three screening with the laptop split into two parts, and at least three or four tabs open. Uh, Jules, a lot of nods there. Are you? Can you compete with my screen real estate?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I can relate to how three years this uh this session expands. <laughs> um I read I read the question and um um I was thinking like um you know the the Twitter, the the live timing, some uh some people use the 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 tracker when you see all the dots on the on the track layout where everyone is and I thought like um, you know, when I when I started to get into F one, how how did I immerse myself into it? And yeah. I and I thought maybe uh, part of an answer uh, to this question is like, uh, what can you do on beforehand to um, to <sighs> yes. enrich uh, yes. the the moment when the race is actually on? And now I started thinking like, well, maybe what I do is uh, listen to uh, a podcast to preview. Uh, the weekend or who uh, preview the race after qualifying uh, so you often get a sense of what uh, what might happen what's tactically, yeah. what's going to be strategy. Um, also, uh, what I still like to do is watch all the races uh, on the track that's coming up. You know, so like this week I was I was strolling no. through '90s uh, spa races. Do you really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So because yeah. when you when you get a sense of the sports history or a track's history, um, that's really you, you appreciate it more, and I think one one uh, aspect, one way to to immerse yourself even more. Uh, I think we already had this mentioned on on one of the shows last year. It's like uh, play an F one game, and it doesn't even have to be like a, a real sim uh, or whatever. Just yes, yeah. play 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 the the F one game on your console or whatever. Because once you uh, dr- drive the track yourself <laughs> and you start to appreciate certain corners or why overtaking is so difficult, mm. uh, you start to appreciate uh, overtakes at, at spots where it's almost impossible. Or, or you know, it's like with everything when you do it yourself in in a, in a more or lesser extent, mm. you appreciate
1: what's happening on the screen. Even things like the. Effect of Slipstream and you go, oh my gosh, it's so important. If I lose the pack with Slipstream here, I'm completely lost. But yes, so definitely I will try and get my boy to, if we get a chance to go on the sim and jump on, say like, you know, Silverstone in in an F3 car so he can understand the layout. I think knowing the layout and what corners are coming up is really important for understanding the race. There's certain tracks where I get completely lost as to where they are on the track and it ruins my enjoyment. Sochi, I never know. Where yep. what part of the track the camera is yep. pointing to, elements of Baku, Paul Ricard as well. So there's yep. no, like, visual marker. So you're, yep. you're right. So we were talking about, um, uh, you know, watching during the race. But really... We're about to set ourselves homework, Jules.
3: <laughs> yeah, because, and, and, and I'm starting to come off like some, some kind of real F1 nerd now. Yeah, you're sounding like a
1: psycho, but that's great. We all
3: are. <laughs> it's like the grandpa tells a story. But, you know, I, I uh, subscribe myself to a, a magazine, like on paper. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's almost like Uncle Joe uh, type stuff. Jules, do you, uh, go to,
1: do you go to a shop to go and buy your magazine?
3: As a kid, I, uh, I did that. Mm-hmm. I rode my bike to the next town because <laughs> it sold uh, it sold Formula One magazines. Anyway, uh, I subscribed subscribe myself a couple of years back to a magazine that, that specifies in, in um, how do you say, the vintage F1 stories. Nice. So they always go back in time like... This this time they focus on a certain chassis or like an iconic car or a, an iconic battle or an iconic Formula One drive or whatever, and it's just you know you 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 are <laughs> you're, you're uh, pulled into uh, these stories that happened way way before even when we weren't born sometimes. I, I yeah. It just makes you appreciate the sport, you know.
1: I, I struggle watching past races because I know. Like unless it's like a happy ending for all my drivers, like if it's a painful race, I don't think i'll re- want to rewatch it like I don't want to rewatch last year's Spa where it got <laughs> where it
3: got rained no, you, do, you 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 watch races that mm. you either forgot or you never even saw before but even even
1: heard uh, you, back in time, you're right yeah. there, and I think like get out of the current generation of drivers as well, so you're you're sort of less yeah. invested in the moment uh, but for example, when we're talking about our in race setup. You know, not the homework that Jules is setting us. Spa is quite a good example. So although Spa didn't kick off and nothing happened, (laughs) and there was like no racing, we spent that time as a community kind of hanging out. So whether it's in your Twitter echo chamber and you all go and, uh, and, and pile on some Latifi fans. No, don't do that. Don't do pylons. Or whether you're in a Slack group or a WhatsApp group, we still enjoyed and kind of hung out in all that time a little bit, which takes which took a little bit of the pain and the sting off it. I don't, can't even remember if we did a race review. I think we ended up just doing a quali review, basically. But one of the bits of homework you're talking about, I, I turn to Matt if I'm unable to watch all the Friday practice sessions. Because although you can't tell ultimate pace on Friday, you can tell, say, if one team seems to be running better comparatively on hot lap pace than they normally do. Or has better race pace and i i like to sit and watch the lap times for the long run races even if i do even if i don't i still refer to you because you always seem to have a good handle on how that's going to translate to the race
0: yeah i like to watch the practices i don't watch the first practice too uh, i don't know carefully i put it on
1: usually with breakfast yeah, it's a shakedown
0: Second practice, I'll pay a little more attention, but I probably will just watch it on one screen, just the video with the F1 TV commentary, because I like their commentary a little bit better these days for the practices. And then I start to get serious around Free Practice 3. And so by the time you get into Quali, then I've got full involvement. So so my setup is I have my main screen is 39 and a half inch uh, curved screen where I have two windows. Or three, three windows for quality, two windows for the race. One of them is the video; the other one would be the tracker, and the third one would be the micro sectors what, for what's quality. The,
1: well, what's this tracker? Like, I don't get this tracker in the UK. It it comes with
0: F1 TV, and it just shows the location of we the get cars it. on the track.
1: I don't think we um, get that. I don't think we get that in the UK. That sounds really good, especially when it comes to things like pit stop windows and like just and building the picture of the race.
0: Well, it's really, actually, I find it to be super important in qualifying because you can see where traffic is going to happen ahead of time. You can see the order people go out in. So, you know, when laps mm-hmm. are completed and who's who's still on a lap and who's not still on a lap. And then I have on my iPad, I have the timing app with uh, five live and all the sector times mm-hmm. and, and best lap times. And between all of that, I can, that's, that's my F1 information. Then I have Slack and WhatsApp up as well. And of course,
1: my friend Twitter. (laughs) Uh, One of my favorite things there is the live timing. And I get asked quite a lot, like, what are you getting out of the live timing? I think it is essential for for tracking the strategy of a race. So you can see, you can start to actually tell when people are tire saving a little bit as well. And that is much more obvious when you're watching the live timings. But when there's a chase on and, you know, someone's done that, oh, I'm going to do a 15 lap dash on soft tyres to see if I can, you know, that extra pit stop can can make up positions. And then you start to see, oh, the lap times start to disappear. You know, one's not quite, oh, that's going like yellow, yellow or whatever. And then you go, oh, there's a pattern here. You can start to see the tyre wear and and then you have to add context to it. Like, oh, is this a situation where he would definitely be wanting to push? Is this a, a situation where they'd be tyre saving, say more in the, in the, first part of the race and it can give you an idea of the strategy and i think without the live timing it can you can lose track of that jules
3: also if you start wondering stuff like that uh, due to what you see on live timing it could also be re- rewarding to start listening to team radio of a certain driver of course it's not uh, available to everyone uh, i think in most countries you need to pay for it but you can select team radio per driver and if you think like, oh, what's happening to Esteban yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's gaining on Alonso. What's the team going to tell him about passing Alonso or know. not? You just tune in and you listen. And that's, it it's really enriches your, uh, your experience. So I
1: don't, I've got to add an extra screen to my setup. I forgot about this. So I don't know if um, the, F1, the F1 live feed that you get from the website gives you all the radio calls or they pick select ones. I think they pick select ones on those ones. And I've got my 12-year-old on his mobile with an earbud. So he's got one earbud and he tells me if there was anything, if there was anything significant about that. Uh, but I didn't know that you could like pick and go, right, oh, I must now monitor Alpine.
3: Yeah, I th- last year at least, F1 TV, you could just pick every driver. And I, I used to be like one earpiece with team radio and the other ear listening to the TV commentary, <laughs> lifetime, whatever, we, we discussed this already. Yeah,
0: I, I do wish they had a separate audio channel that was nothing but team radio. Because I would, I would, I would have that as my third audio okay, feed so just to hear
1: all the messages. Oh, all of them, not a select bunch. Just like have all of them. Yeah. Mm. But a lot yeah. of the a lot of the skills you need as a viewer, Chris, is the skills you need as a commentator, and a lot of it is building up a picture of a race. When you're doing karting commentary, you can see the whole track, so that's kind of like having a, a live track mapper, isn't it? Uh, but with F1, of course, it's it's more difficult, and with live, oh, with Formula E. That you were commentating on, yeah, yeah, it's a bit different. I forgot, forgot what a big deal you are now, Chris. Thanks for coming, appreciate it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. I mean, I didn't have a track map or uh, anything <laughs> like that when I was doing the just, formally, just the live timing it- and the world mm. feed. But uh, the thing, I've been very quiet during this segment because I just put Sky F1 on and watch <laughs> that. I don't have any extra screen. I look, maybe I'll tweet every once in a while, but like all these things that you're saying, it helps you do that. I'm like, I don't. I don't I don't really need that.
1: Doesn't So hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, Chris. You're saying that the F1 starts, you put the TV onto the F1 channel and yeah. then and then you just sit there and enjoy the experience like a psychopath.
2: Yeah, yeah, I just
1: sit there and I enjoy, <laughs> like enjoy the broadcast. Screens? Oh my goodness. The, no. the
2: only thing I would like from everything you've just listed there is the the full team radio stuff. But even then I think I would get annoyed because you can only listen to one at a time. They were like, oh, but what if I miss something on the other car? Like, ah, oh, God, i I got to pick which one is the luck of the draw,
1: which oh, one are you going to Okay, have? well, we're lucky because we've got the Patreon Slack community. So we can, maybe we can assign one person to each team radio <laughs> and do a transcript of anything. <gasps> Should we set that up? Should we set that up, Patreon Slack group? Should we do that? All right, great. Well, I think um, hopefully that did answer the questions there from Carl, Chris, and Oliver. It's definitely become more intense over the years, my F1 viewing experience. That yeah, The times I have had to revert to, like I've, I'm not home and I've had to just have one screen on my phone, it's, it's been killing me because I've been like, oh, but I'm missing out on all the, the conversation. Or if I have to watch it after the race, if I've been working and I have to watch it back on a replay, I will still enjoy it. I will do the Chris method of turning the channel on and pressing play, but it is a totally, totally different experience. And by the time we get to the race review... I do find that my, my colleagues on the panel have a much richer view of the race and what just happened. But uh, yeah, great great question, and do let us know you know, if you do anything different to us. We love your feedback, and we're uh, now actually addressing it properly. Feedback at mistapex.net drops into my inbox and into Matt's inbox as well. Let's move on to some more of your questions. All right, Matt, go for it. What you got? What you What you found?
0: Oh, I have so many to choose from, but I'll talk about everybody's favorite team to berate for strategy mistakes, and that's Ferrari. Our friend Brendan (laughs) has written in with a theory that Ferrari are still on their 2019 engine shenanigans timeout, and they've just had to get way more clever about how they lose because they've actually built a good car this season.
1: Uh, Well, tell you what, Matt, we need a bit of a primer for anyone who's joined F1 recently, and to refresh our memories, what is this alleged Ferrari 2019 timeout?
0: Thank you for using the correct word. It was alleged, but never proven or shown, at least openly in public, that Ferrari figured out a way to um, put more fuel into their power unit than was allowed by the regulations. But because the regulations measure fuel with a particular piece of technology that did not catch them doing it, technically they might not have been cheating in the same way Sebastian Vettel and others have occasionally started their race before everyone else, but not enough before that it was considered a jump start.
1: Okay. However, However, the
0: FIA was pretty convinced something was up and there was some negotiating and suddenly Ferrari was a lot slower than they were the previous year. So, Well, not even that. It
1: happened mid-season, didn't it? I remember them dropping off towards the end of the season.
0: Well, they, they did. It was like sort of the thing like, oh, you've noticed it, so we'll turn it down. But mm. it was too late. It had been noticed. And then the following season was, well, epically disastrous. Yeah. Catastrophic, you might say. They've come back from that, but but that brings us to now where Ferrari have potentially a winning car.
1: Sorry, Matt. I just think for legal purposes, we do need to absolutely clarify. We're, we're talking about an alleged uh, punishment, yep. secret punishment, and alleged uh, circumvention yes. Yeah, infraction. So just There's, to be com- completely clear, I think they definitely did it, and there was definitely a secret punishment.
0: They definitely allegedly did it, Yes.
1: <laughs> but at the time, it was, and this, this is what gets me going, Chris, is because like a lot of at the time, if you will remember, people were going, "Oh no, you'd have to be mad to think it's, it's a crazy conspiracy," and it doesn't seem like a crazy conspiracy at all. And now, like when you have the flexi floors, I'm like, "Yeah, anything's possible. Anything like this can definitely happen in F1."
2: Yeah, I mean, often there's no uh, no smoke without flames, right? So there's uh or is it the other way around no flame without smoke no one you got it two. right the first time oh thank god mm. um yeah I, there's often a way with these things yeah if, if, if somebody's pointing at something it's okay what, what would you
1: prefer so. what would you prefer because it does seem to always be secretly secretly oh we found a thing okay well done you know we what well, you got away with it but they, the FIA seem reluctant to like you know drag someone over the coals publicly. And there's always been rumors, even like some of the crazier ones, like McLaren weren't allowed to win the 2007 World Championship. But you know, yeah. yeah. But so there, were, there seems a reluctance. Like there must be loads of cheating going on. But the FIA have never like gone. You know, uh, Christian Horner must walk through Spa with bells behind him. Shame, shame, <laughs> flexy floor. Shame. It wouldn't be
2: a great look for the sport if. Every single account of cheating was brought Mm. into the public eye because it probably happens uh, far more than we uh, we think of. Or let's not necessarily call it cheating. Let's call it loopholing.
1: And Matt, that Uh, brings us to today.
0: (laughs) That brings us to today where, where I'm going to sadly have to put the kibosh on the tinfoil hat theory that Ferrari are still losing on purpose. And say that based on an off-air discussion I've had with various technical people, if I had to put my finger on Ferrari's biggest problem, I mean, you could say strategy. You could say, well, they're Ferrari. um, Or you could say what the real problem is, is their tire modeling is just wrong.
1: Made it about tires, everyone drink? Well, How are you making this about tires? uh,
0: Well, I will tell you why. Because if every single... Ferrari strategy error has been tire based. Either they think the tires won't last as long or they think they need to get off them too soon or they think they'll even work like the hard tire and and hungry. They have just been really really wrong about the tires every time that's been an important part of the strategy and it's cost them I think by far more than you know even driver error has cost them.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely, I think, what's the phrase, Matt? You know, never assign to malice what can be easily assigned to getting it wrong. Yeah, I don't want to say incompetence. I didn't want to say that. I think the Ferrari strategists have had a a lot of stick. But are you you sort of slightly excusing it by saying because their tile modelling isn't right, maybe that's making it harder for the strategists to make these calls?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you've got your tire model wrong, everything from pit windows to how long your stents are going to be are going to be equally off. If I think I can go onto the hard tire in Hungary, then a two, then a one-stop strategy is a winning strategy. But then when I put my lead driver on it and they lose 13 seconds over 10 laps to someone still on the medium tires running a, running a whole extra pit stop, then that one-stop strategy is no longer a good idea. Everybody else understood once the first teams went onto the hard tires they weren't going to work but ferrari didn't which suggests to me they have a model and they're too focused on that and not
1: paying attention to other stuff around them all right fascinating stuff made it about tires all right good you're let's welcome move, let's move on maybe maybe a non-tire related topic will, will come up as I press the button, which has a graphic for the YouTube viewers, you will see that it is all tyres flying across the screen, as if to mock me. Okay, so... Oh, by the way, if you're an audio listener, if you just download on the pod, every now and then, check out what we do on the video, because there's some great work here by, by Uncle Steve and um, and me pressing the right buttons at the right times. And um, we feel like the YouTube is an integral part of what we do here at Miss Apex Podcast. So every now and then, if you want to drop in on a live stream or just see our faces... Have have a look. See, guess who you think is the handsomest out of this panel now and then, uh, you know, then look in at Chris and realise that you're wrong.
2: I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, we're all really good looking uh, people, so we can only enrich yeah. your podcasting experience.
1: Also, if you're a, if you're a video person, just down, subscribe on the audio and download it in case you need it. Then it's there. It's there if you need it. At least you'll have it. Just auto download. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. You'll have it. It'll be there. Yeah, and it pays more money than YouTube, so. Oh, we, we, we need to do, Um, it does, yes. <laughs> we need to do, sorry, before the next question, very quickly, if you are an iRacer, if you're a sim racer, you can come and join us on the next round of our uh, six race, our six-round uh, tournament monthly starts, when is it, Chris? September 17th?
2: uh yes i think so yes september 17th i think so there's a lot of new things happening uh this season And, uh, I mean, chief among which we've set out all the dates and all the tracks. Yes. You're going to have all that information. You can bookmark it in your calendar. Adjust anything you need in your schedule uh, as well to get all six rounds in.
1: It's good. Live commentary from Chris Stevens. You'll be able to watch it all back on a great live production. So you have three races where one has an enforced pit stop using the F3 car. And also, at the end of the evening, there's one oval race, which will make up a a six-round oval race as well. Email racecontrol at mistapex.net. And we'll make sure when the link is ready for you to sign up, the it will be sent to you as well. Race control at mistapex.net. Now, jewels, you have a mailbag question for us.
3: Yes, yes, uh, we uh, we have. Um... I believe
1: it's about regulations, jewels.
3: Yeah, there was a question. I'm trying to look for. I, I always think it's kind to. Ah, here it is. It's from Brandon, ah. not Brandon, but Brandon Brand with, a, with yep. double E. And he said, "I have a fear." The- um, oh no, no, sorry, I'm I'm making to a be fair. Out
1: of this. To, we have had two people called Brandon, uh, spelt differently, send us emails, and uh, and I present them with a wall of text. Uh, when I go right, here's all the feedback we've got, guys. Uh, pick out the one that you want to address.
3: Yeah, although to make it a bit more embarrassing for me, this wasn't from Brandon or Brandon. <laughs> it was just John.
1: Oh, I would have I mean, just pretended. How could I forget? No,
3: it, it was John. Go on then. He, he said, um, um, he said um, that he loved the show, of course. Oh, and, thanks. Uh, like, like many questions that, was, that were sent in for the this, for this show, he says that he uh, got into, um, into Formula yeah. 1 due to drive to survive
1: yeah you don't have um, to apologize everyone seems to say it in an apologetic way it's okay welcome yeah. we're really really glad you're here don't worry about it yeah um
3: and he he said uh due to the the new technical regulations uh for this season that would uh you know make make uh cars following each other Easier, uh would yeah. improve that uh, and he asked like um why it took so long uh, or hasn't why hasn't this been the goal uh, of of the regulations to make following easier um in the past? why just only just now? and um well, John, uh, there's a there's a, a famous quote from Enzo Ferrari.
1: <laughs> um, I, I knew it was Ferrari's I, I'm, fault. Yeah, yeah I'm,
3: I, <laughs> I'm taking a liberty to to quote him. Probably not uh, not very accurately, but he said like aerodynamics are for people who can not build engines. <laughs> in in, um,
1: in England, we have the phrase. Well, we use the word paraphrasing a lot, which means I've probably got the quote wrong. But yes, he did basically said, you know, dismissed the whole aerodynamic industry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: And, and that indicates the, the time, uh, the era uh, where uh, Ferrari and Enzo Ferrari were, you know, dominating sport. It was just about engine power and it was motor racing in maybe it's purest, purest form because it was about the, the motor the engine and uh, the faster it went uh, uh, would mean you, you'd win. And only in the late sixties uh, aerodynamics uh, became, became a thing. And um, uh, the team started to uh, to develop uh, knowledge of what aerodynamics were, how it would help them, and the word downforce uh, was uh, was introduced. Even till the late seventies, uh, it it lasted before. Um, uh, and I think I believe, but correct me if I'm wrong. Someone. Uh, I believe it was uh, Lotus, the team, team Lotus, that um, uh, started to uh, exploit downforce uh, in a proper way, uh, using uh, the wings, using aerodynamic bits uh, on the bodywork to uh, gain time not only by engine power or engines or uh, tires, excuse me, but also due to downforce. So um, if you look at uh, Formula One as a sport and how long it exists, uh, the the knowledge of of aerodynamics and uh, how to how to uh, how to treat it, it's it's fairly young. And then when that happened, uh, even then uh, teams were were free to do whatever they wanted. So even up until the nineties, uh, that's why you look back at at all the races, guys. <laughs> so you, then you see like cars were, were had all these kind of different shapes and shapes and sizes. Noses, uh, uh, wings, uh, the bodywork. Yeah, uh, you could recognize
1: cars just by the shape. Of them and because... even if you look at, say, even like a Williams round the early days of the Malaysian Grand Prix, coming out of a hairpin, and you just see how much more they're struggling because they're so much more, they're so less planted. But I think the problem is once they have opened this toolbox, it there was no going back, Chris. That's the problem. So once you opened the box, it was always going to be a drive towards more and more aerodynamics. Exactly, yep.
3: and when when teams started all to to gain knowledge and to to uh, to understand the, the the aerodynamic, the downforce game, uh, then at a certain point, it wasn't just about optimizing your own aerodynamics. It was also started to become about <laughs> spoiling other others aerodynamics. You know, like and then the the whole dirty air discussion. The wake discussion, uh, you know, uh, the team's aerodynamicists yeah. and designers, they weren't only busy trying to 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 design the best car. They were also busy trying to spoil other ones' races, you know. Yeah, and that's why that's...
1: Yeah, I grew up in an era of F1 where overtaking was sort of impossible, Chris. And, you know, the famous Murray Walker commentary quote was, well, you're catching in F1 is one thing, but passing is quite another. And it was almost an impossible feat.
2: Yeah, I think the 2022 changes uh, mark a sort of paradigm shift in what Formula 1 is prioritizing. Formula 1 is three things. It is business, it is sport, and it is entertainment.
1: Oh, entertainment. Okay.
2: And I think all other regulation changes in the past either come in because the cars are getting too fast and they reduce the amount of downforce they have for safety reasons or ban certain things that they think are too expensive or are going to make one team too competitive and uh, ruin the sport a little bit but this is the first time that they made a conscious decision to improve the show and that's never really mattered before to formula one because it's always been about what what is it uh, as a as a sport yeah and in, in in doing so it hasn't taken anything away from that but i think it was also the rising voices of the fans saying there's no overtaking there's no overtaking races are boring we want more overtaking and all this suddenly somewhere around 2015 16 17 overtaking became all anyone gave a damn about well
1: i'm gonna put that in a bit more historical context in a second but uh matt
0: yeah well i i would like to just amend that to say this is the first time the sport has taken it seriously and followed through with the full recommendations, mm. because back in 2010 there was indeed yeah. an overtaking working group, which I think Spanners might have been about to reference himself.
1: I, I, and uh, yeah, not actually, I was about to be a little bit more forward in time, but yes, you're right. And and weren't um, the Groove tires weren't wasn't that a part of an effort to make overtaking easier, to make it to make, give you less grip, basically make make it less on rails?
2: I think they just had too much grip
1: in yeah, yeah. So, like take, yeah, so just taking away some of the grip, I
0: Right. Um, So they put forward recommendations, but the sport did not implement all of them, I think, possibly because some people were concerned that the cars wouldn't look great on TV. So the actual aim of those regulations was never fully seen. We don't Mm. know if they would have worked because they weren't fully implemented. This time, however, they 100% implemented after a fair amount of testing, including uh, supposedly, allegedly, I have heard multiple cars in the wind tunnel (laughs) at the same time to see exactly what's going on did they
1: yes that's good okay well i I was actually going to fast forward to 2014 to answer the second part of john's question was uh, has this always been the goal of the regulations in the past or are they just more successful at it this time so actually in 2014 there was a big panic if you'll remember, because the cars were slow, it was the beginning of the hybrid era and people were panicking that the lap times actually were starting to look a little bit more like Formula 2. Or was it was it F2 at the time? Still GP2. Still, G- but still GP2. Thing. But GP2 didn't have the hybrid engines. So it wasn't having the same trade-offs that F1 was having.
2: Yeah, so the decrease in downforce mainly from banning all the stuff they were doing with exhaust gases to add Mm. rear downforce narrowing the wings and all this kind of stuff basically meant that in in some of the higher downforce circuits like barcelona where they were really missing that downforce the top cars in gp2 Mm -hmm. were faster than the slowest cars in formula one like the the and the uh the caterums
1: and this led to a big outcry from from f1 fans actually it did come from the f1 fan base first where people saying you know this is embarrassing this is horrendous this this is this is meant to be the pinnacle of formula one we cannot have the the lap times being slow now I've, i've it's never occurred to me to care specifically what the stopwatch says on an f1 car to me like chris said there's lots of different types of fans To me, the the racing action has always been important. The engineering is a a sideline to me. I I like the tech. I'm interested in it. I like the teams competing against each other. But F1 being 10 seconds faster than it was 10 years ago is not important to me. It doesn't need to progress. It doesn't need to go around Spa Francochamp any quicker than it does now for me to be a sport. But the huge reaction was this is outrageous. F1 needs to be faster. So that next regulation change actually was focused on making the cars faster making the downforce more and by the time the regulation change came in the cars had sort of sorted themselves out so the problem sort of went away as teams got used to the hybrid era and then they brought in a regulation set where where you couldn't pass you couldn't race
2: it wasn't necessarily the um adding the downforce back i think pirelli made the most gains actually from 2014 to 2016 but this is what everyone said because formula one made a snap decision when they came under criticism for having slow cars and like, right, we're going to make them five seconds. The the cars ever. Yeah. And everyone said, well, then they won't race each other. And that's exactly what happened. So suddenly they had to do a U-turn and make them <laughs> able to race each other um, again, even though the 2017 through 21 era represented a much, much better time to be a formula one fan than 14 through 16, for example for me, yeah. they're the worst years of Formula One I've watched.
1: but we could have got a head, we we could have got a head start on on this philosophy, which is the one that John is talking about. This philosophy to improve following is seems to be working, but it has to come from the top. the FYA has to go being able to follow is a priority and I think this is the first time that this specific goal being able to follow has has a been really pushed for from the top. And has worked. And and surely, Matt, there's more to come. This is only the first season of it. I'm really hopeful that they'll if they keep down the path and keep the will to do it, there's no reason why they can't carry on.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right?
0: And and let's understand it's also the FOM cuz they are the ones who funded the research getting all of the getting all of the wheels pointed in the same direction you had Pirelli developing tires that would allow for this kind of following you had the aerodynamics that would get rid of the outwash Mm. that made it so very, very hard for the teams to follow. You have all these pieces coming together, but let's not kid ourselves. This is a constant evolutionary war between the teams who want to do what they want to do. And the FIA slash FOM who want to pin them back and keep them from ruining (laughs) what's already started to work. And I will just point out that Aston rear wing that looks like a traditional rear wing is the opening salvo Mm. of what the teams are going to be up to in terms of reclaiming lap time and downforce from this current regulation set.
1: Right. So I have a question that relates to what Jules was saying near the beginning of that segment, which is once you start finding that aerodynamics, it's hard to let it go. And even though you were saying it was recent, it was actually, that's the 60s, isn't it, Jules? That's actually quite a long time ago. I know you're significantly older than me, but like most F1 fans now know Formula One as an aerodynamic sport. And now that I do have, you know, a higher caliber of random person in my DMs these days, if anyone on the inside of F1 wants to tell me if this long standing suspicion I have is correct, is that socially, politically within F1, you have to keep the aerodynamics departments because teams have built themselves around this core of aerodynamicists. A lot of the team bosses will be aerodynamicists and will will have this, you know, deep understanding at the senior level of aerodynamics and feel that aerodynamics is part of F1. I've heard lots of people saying, "Well, why don't we just rip the wings off of F1 cars?" If you, if you really want to get rid of the aero, just rip the wings off. We'll still have great racing or or just make them like a flat plank for show like in Formula E. But I've got a feeling that politically you couldn't put however many it is a thousand aerodynamicists out of work like philosophically jules i just feel like it's so ingrained into f1 that you you can't you can't let it go
3: yeah de- definitely i mean the, the part of formula 1 is the looks isn't it and so a part of the fan base who remembers the the 20 2008 2007 cars that looked like spaceships with all kinds of flaps and little wings <laughs> and nostrils whatever um it, it's part of the part of the game and and we shouldn't drop it um uh, i don't want to i don't want to keep uh, the listeners um uh, telling them to watch all the races but <laughs> uh in in the early 80s even they, the cars didn't even have wings they just had noses and 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 a and rear wing but the front wing wasn't even there so um, uh, it's 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 part of the of the Formula One is not only uh, about going fast or whatever. It's also about aesthetics. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: googling, and I think most of the '80s F1 cars, they just it was a, a plank, probably that just complemented the rest of the aerodynamics. So you might have a it was very very simple and very small. Certainly not the Gillette razors that we've got now. Let's uh, dig into our mailbag again. Okay, where did we go, Christopher? Young Christopher at Chris on Racing. You don't like Christopher?
0: No,
2: you full named me last weekend. Oh, when so, we well. Were no, together. if I did Chris Ooh. Stevens, that's
1: fine. If I say Young Christopher, I feel that is that's me showing you know some some strong uncle energy. I don't think I'm like Christopher Abraham Stevens. I'm not doing that, am I? No, I still don't like no, it. Don't All like right, it. okay. Don't well, like it instead of this, shall we? find what mailbag questions you found interesting
2: yes yes mm. i've dug around the, the mailbag and it is quite a big bag yeah um, if i may say so as yep. well uh, and i've rummaged around in there and i found <laughs> a question from matt from Land. oh canada hello and he says does formula one capitalize the least on talent
1: oh big one
2: in football, it's probably around 85 to 90%. But how many Hamilton and Schumachers have mm. been completely missed due to the nature of motorsport? To which, of course, he refers to the fact that it is a rich man's or rich person's sport.
1: Yeah, and I think he goes on to make a comment on the Canadian drivers as well.
2: Yes. So, that yeah, there's no mm. way Stroll or Latifi mm. are the best drivers in Canada, he says. Um, I would probably i mean i don't really know of any canadian drivers or even an f2 or f3 um at the moment off the top of my head
0: matt yeah well i think we've had this discussion before in various guises and the math always works out motorsport is one of the most expensive sports to get started in as a small child and there is an inverse relationship between the amount of talent that gets to the top and your starting costs, so something like basketball, something like football or football, depending on <laughs> which country you're in, yeah, can be engaged in um, by a large, very large percentage of the population because the initial costs are quite small. You can develop your talent and skill without spending a lot on equipment. Motorsports, you got to get into carts at an early age and you have to have the funding all along to run enough in whatever equipment you're racing to gain the competitive skills to move up to the next level. And uh, that's always going to leave most of your talent yeah. sitting on the sideline doing something cheaper.
1: So I think the question is, you know, is is Formula One worse at this? Is motorsport worse at this than other sports? Obviously, I, I think the answer is probably, obviously, yes. Yeah. But let's compare that to some other sports, like, say, soccer uh, or football, because you use your feet. And, and you go, well, okay, uh, anyone can play, you know, on the street, uh, and play on the, the cage pitches in the middle of central London and get discovered. That's true. There is a, a bigger percentage of room for players who grow up in that way. But there's still a massive amount of connected young kids who get academy spots at the right place. And then you get the skills and the talent coached into you and handed to you. And I, I've got an experience of uh, attempting to get into a sport at a a, a more than more than town level. And you know, I, I had a coach in one area, it was a fluke, that co- it was not intended that I would spend time with this coach, but it just happened to work out for one winter, and I learned more in that one winter than I did in, any, in, in anything else I'd done in the sport. And if someone's got access to that coach from the age of 10, they're obviously going to have a much stronger chance of making it to professional sport. So even in, in sports like football and cricket and rugby, where you think that's a school sport, everyone has a chance, there is still... This same problem where people can leverage an advantage is just less so. But there's also middle ground, like cycling. Yeah, does everyone have a road bike available to them? Are, are there any? Are there any Olympic level canoe uh, guys? Not canoe, rowboat. What's the rowing one? Are there any rowing? rowing are there any rowing champions from the inner cities? I, I don't know. Like, genuine question. Like I don't. I don't think so. And then motorsport is kind of at the top end of that. Um, so, so Chris, like. Yeah, obviously, I think the answer is obviously yes, motorsport yes. is particularly bad for it. But there is also skiing or like a tank where you've got to buy your own balls, big heavy metal ones, yeah. They're not cheap. And <laughs>
2: I don't necessarily think we've missed out on a Hamilton or a Schumacher because I think if you have enough talent, there is a way to sort of circumvent the system a little bit. Um, but if I were to take the bottom four drivers in Formula One at the moment, I would say, yes there are better drivers currently available than those bottom four who should be on the grid but it's a systemic issue as well because you look at the formula 2 field half of them are there for their money that's how you run mm. a, uh, a a team in a <laughs> in say like a spec championship
1: for that's example the whole point. you need <laughs> yeah, you need the... one
2: for the to you know get score your results you need one to
0: pay for the seats yeah well i'm going to politely and only because we've been on vacation, disagree with you. I think we have missed out on multiple Hamiltons mm-hmm, and Schumachers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I take your point, Spanners. The, even at the level of the lowest investment to start the sport, people with money and access to coaching do have an advantage. But the more people who start the sport, yes, the very, very, yeah. very most talented, you're more likely to find them because they could start it without having to invest a lot. I would hold up something like golf as a great example, too, of an expensive sport to start. There are lots of programs for juniors. You can get – there's more golfers starting than there are motorsports people, I would say, but way less than football or over here in the States, something like basketball.
3: Um, I think the, the... – Motorsport, um, and, and to, to add to what Chris was saying, it's, a, it's, it's partly a money, a money, money thing. Uh, if you don't have it, you're likely not to get very far. While on the other hand, like you ask, Spanish football or soccer, it's a grassroots sport. Mm. Um, you know, in school, you don't have a subject called motor racing or karting. It's just like go out. Here's a ball kick it around or ride your bike or, uh, you know, play some tennis. So the, the, the entry level, the, um, it, it's, it's very low mm. and a lot of people play. it. And the outlet of, for talented, talented people, it's huge in football, for, for, for example. Yeah. So I think Formula One must be, I think it's a good question. It must be one of the worst, if not <laughs> the worst sport.
1: There's no pyramid as well in motorsport yeah. on the way to Formula One. There's I, one tier. So there's 20 drivers on the F1 grid. How many on the F2 grid, Chris? Uh twenty-two. Twenty-two, okay, and it's it's the same kind of going down. If you had I don't know, if you had lots of feeder series going into F1, could we improve it with that? Could we have, you know, regional single seaters where someone is you know, like W series, where someone is making money by people watching the series and going right. Let's see who the best drivers are. Could we not do that? Could that not create a pyramid? I don't know how that, how you bankroll that. though. I don't, I don't know. Honest. I'm not. An, I'm an ideas guy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matt. Well, I think, uh, and I hesitate to bring it up, but I will because we talked about it not too long ago. IndyCar is an excellent example. If you if you have five to ten thousand dollars. Mm. and a great deal of talent you can go get your start on the bottom of the indycar ladder and win your way all the way up to uh, a seat a partially sponsored seat in the full-time series can't do that in f1 but i would still argue that it's really karting that is is Mm. where the problem lies i had a discussion with someone years ago who worked at A motion simulation place that did racing and they had been looked into and raced in some top level fia carts central europe and the amount of money they quoted me to do a season a full season of karting yes would still make your jaw hit the floor so it's the the mouth of the funnel is far too narrow to pick up all the talent and that is a problem i don't know if we can solve because the sport itself is based on rich people gentlemen racing along with a couple of people who are actually good i think even this has
2: become less and less of a problem i think as formula one's kind of got more uh wealthy but even when i if oh. i cycle back 10 years or so there were more opportunities for drivers and uh, EJ has just reminded me as well about Formula Renault as well, which was a whole other, you know, F2 level championship that sank in about 2017, I think it was, um, because Renault stopped funding it. And it was, it was just a, a a whole other grid,
1: which... Which you also know, could get the, there. Was that before yeah. Super License Points?
2: Uh, it was. Yeah. Oh, well, now, hang on. I think it was around just after they introduced Super oh, License okay. Points. I can't remember how many it was worth. Well, uh, but even the Super yeah. License Points is designed to get people coming through F3 and F2 rather than anything else. Well, exactly. So it's, desi- IndyCar... it's
1: designed to make sure that the people who have come through that system and paid the money to go through that specific system are the ones that get the points to go through.
2: So it's all of them. Yeah. All of them is money. Because even if you took a, a champion from... LMP, uh, not LMP1, like the top class in in the World Endurance Championship, for example, they've still done F3 and F2, m- most likely. Most of the drivers move sideways in, mm. into that or from Formula e, or from IndyCar as well. Whether they've come up through America or they've come up through Europe, they've still paid money to, to get there.
3: Jules? Yeah. I, I, last year, we tried to get someone from FIA on this show. I don't know if you guys remember. And when we thought we had a deal, it didn't work out. One of the things that she was assigned with, as an FIA official, was to streamline uh, a sort of ladder from the, the 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 junior classes up to F3, F2, F1, with uh, the uh, the the goal to have the best drivers in Formula One, which which really seemed like a statement against paid drivers or mm. paid drivers. Um, so i think i think maybe maybe the fia should should um you know feel a bit responsible for 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 this i mean imagine whatever sport you watch and 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 you have to say like yeah but 25% of of this of this roster or this squad didn't, don't really belong there. Don't really deserve to be there. But they had the money. I mean, that's just evaluating yeah. the quality of your of your product
1: of your sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's twenty drivers on the grid, and it's way too high a proportion. If you want to give me thirty five teams, no, not thirty five teams, thirty six cars, and only twenty eight of them qualify on any given weekend. If you've got that kind of series, yeah, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you've got a. um I don't want to name start naming drivers. I can't. I've, I can't think of a single paid driver from the eighties. It's just escaped me. Someone help me. Name uh, a na- Denis. Thank you. Whew, I've saved. Yeah. Then there's room for a, a shopping cart full of Pedro Deniz's. That's a reference to his family owning supermarkets. But you all, you all got that. You all knew that. With twenty cars on the grid and a franchise, it does feel like this is something that the F1 is gonna want to shake out because all the all the new fans. <laughs> that have flooded in at some point are going to figure out how nepotistic and how elite the selection is for this new sport they've fallen in love with. At the moment, you know, people have arrived in Formula One and, you know, they see, you know, Latifi and Schumacher and, and, and Stroll and just accept them. But I think in time, if, they, if there's a flood of new drivers keep coming in that are just there for paychecks, people are going to get increasingly upset. Um, okay, Right. I think that that is us for the Mist Apex mailbag episode. I called it the muggy mailbag because (laughs) it's threatening to rain, but it's not. So instead, we've just got a sauna here in the UK. The moisture has sort of, the rain sort of doesn't quite reach the ground and then it starts evaporating. So we're all sitting here boiling. Uh, We can do the traditional Matt Trumpets showing of the grey shirt if you'd wish. And uh, I can tell you that he is... At MattPT55 on Twitter. In fact, he doesn't even have to stand up because uh, you can see how soaked he is there. And we have Chris on Racing, at Chris on Racing, doing some kind of interesting tweet or something on his telephone. You youngs, yeah. you're probably on your TikToks or something. I couldn't resist uh, an Instagram opportunity. <laughs> oh, What a Matt's sweaty top. Uh, go and follow uh, Chris at Chris on Racing and go and check out the higher uh, competency of the at Miss Apex F1 account on Twitter. I, I, we could just pretend that I'm doing a lot better at social media ring, Chris. Uh,
2: I mean, I'll take full
1: credit. Okay, good. You take full credit. <laughs> and you can also follow Jules at Jules Sagas. Oh, he's on mute. But we will have links yep. to everybody's uh, social media on there. So you can go and give them a follow. Go and do it. Go and give them a follow. They are all worth it. But you should follow me at Spanners Ready because I'm the best one. This has been this has been nice. I haven't done a a live stream for a while because we'd been putting out so much pre-recorded content over the summer break, but I am refreshed. I am energized. I am ready for a triple header. I cannot wait to see if the status quo has been maintained or whether some teams start bouncing up and down. Has the whole flexi floor, uh, squashable thing, the squashable floor stay, has that all been exaggerated? Uh, Or are we going to see a big shift? And if we do see a big shift, Is it too late for anyone else but Red Bull to challenge? We'll find all that out on Sunday. So join us for our race review at 8pm. We'll be ready live at 8pm to talk about the race. Or we'll be ready for your Monday morning commute in podcast and YouTube form. I believe we'll be joined by Matt Trumpets, Antonio Rankin and Edgy Kyle Power. Until I see you next, work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Mistake Next Podcast.
0: only from rustolium